Hi, my name is Brittany Dixon, owner of Brittany & Co Consulting, and you're listening to The Slapcast. Well, hello, welcome to The Slapcast. This is Shannon Lee, your host. We are sliding into episode 12, folks. Now, if you want to make sure you never miss a Slapcast, be sure to subscribe and also please be so kind to share it as well. You can find it anywhere that podcasts are found. And if you ever want to reach out to me directly, you can do that at slapcast at relayleadership.org. Specifically, I'd love to hear from our listeners what you want to hear on the Slapcast. You know, honestly, we've mostly been having guests on the show and I'm going to do a few more here with just me. Um, But not we're kind of shooting in the dark and here's what I mean by that we have a general theme of servant leadership and I'm addressing some topics but I'm curious what ideas problems situations or issues would you like us to address from that perspective of servant leadership so if you have any ideas along those lines any guest ideas hit me up again it's slapcast at relayleadership.org I want to hear from you now Our guest today is all about leveraging your time through optimizing business processes. Our guest is Brittany Dixon. She calls herself a business integrator and systems queen. I love that. Her sweet spot is helping business leaders streamline everyday processes so that they aren't bogged down with the day-to-day minutiae. And she helps you figure out what software you need to do this, making sure that all that stuff kind of talks to one another so that you aren't, you know, managing 15,000 software platforms to run your organization. I love this. And, And by the way, I love any description that includes the word queen. I'm actually considering this now. Um, so I've seen Brittany on social media for a while now. I, I see her at networking events around town, but then I had a chance to spend a weekend with her and several other female entrepreneurs this past winter. I learned so much more about her business, what drives her and her absolute wonderful yet abnormal passion for an app called Trello, which I also love and I probably underutilize and maybe even misuse. But if you don't know what Trello is, you'll learn soon. Uh, So let's go. I'll see you on the other side of the music. Brittany, so excited to have you on the Slapcast with us. We scheduled this, it feels like a million years ago, but you're here today. So welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're absolutely welcome. Um, What fascinates me about you in particular, and really others like you, is that you actually like details. Now, that might shock someone like you, but for me, details, I will liken them to let's just say the bane of my existence, pretty much. (laughs) Um, While I appreciate the details, um, I understand how important they are, um, especially when it comes to event planning. Little details that are left out can be the death of you as an event planner, right? People will criticize you over the croissants not being warm enough. And so details, I do appreciate them and I understand how important they are. But I feel like, like on a spiritual level, I suffer when I'm knee deep into the details. Just, that's just how I am. I don't want to be the person who's picking the food out for, you know, an event. I don't want to decide, you know, how many microphones do we need? I want someone else to do that. And then I just approve the plan or help them edit it. So that's kind of where I am. So I'm always really curious about people that 
describe themselves. And I, and I did read on your website, they kind of describe themselves as kind of being into all this stuff. And I know that's not the summary of what you do. We will get into that, but I do like to focus on this idea of details because you are very good at them. You're very good at connecting dots and and fitting puzzle pieces together for people like me. Um, So I'm curious, how did that get started for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I've always been that super detail oriented type A person. Um, I mean, I was the 16 year old with like color coded binders and post-it notes and all the things. You were 16 and that organized? Yeah. Yeah. I was always that person. Like I had the the binders that were labeled and the color coding and like all of that kind of stuff. So I think I've always just been that type of person. Um, And then I kind of dived into actually the event planning hospitality space because of that. Um, I thought I wanted to be a wedding planner because I'm like, oh, that would be so fun. And I can like organize things all day long. Um, So I kind of jumped into that piece of things. And then I started the professional organizing business. And now I do it for businesses. So Um, it's kind of just a piece that's always followed me through my entire life. Okay. Yeah. So the wedding planning, do you still do that? I don't. Okay. Got out of that pretty quick. (laughs) I love the detail piece and planning, but weddings. Yeah. There's a lot that go into those. I'm curious because our producer, Jonathan used to do a lot of wedding photography and I see him laughing. So I'm wondering (laughs) if there's a shared experience here. What led you out of the wedding planning biz? Um, I think it was just managing so many personalities. (laughs) Um, I love the behind the scenes stuff, but there was a lot of like managing families and the bride and the groom and 20 different vendors who all had their own way of doing things. And, um, it was too many puzzle pieces for me, I think so. (laughs) Yeah. I, I actually don't know how people do that. Um, and especially weddings where emotions are high for everybody. Yeah. And it's like the most important day, right? (laughs) Like if you screw something up, it's bad. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. We're going to remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell, tell the listeners then a little bit about your business, what you offer, really the core of what you do. For sure. Yeah. So like I said, when I started, I actually did professional organizing in homes and I hired a business coach to kind of help me structure the business piece of that. And she opened my eyes to this entire online business space. Uh, digital marketing, consulting, coaching, all of that kind of stuff. So um, I actually started in that doing productivity coaching. So I saw a lot of people struggle with being productive, um, which is something I was really good at because of the details in the organization. So started doing productivity coaching for a while. And then I quickly realized that business owners were struggling with keeping up with the business backend and processes and it was keeping them from doing what they started their business for. Um, so I saw a, basically a need to go in and say, Hey, like I'm really good at this. You are not, let me come in and streamline your business so that you can be more effective in what you do. Um, so yeah, I do all things, operations, processes, process improvement. Um, I do consulting for people. I do some coaching as well and helping people kind of learn how to do it so they can do it on their own. Um, but yeah, so I started off in professional organizing and now I do it for businesses and, uh, I, I love helping businesses really streamline their backend and processes. That's awesome. So what we do is we, um, we could use a lot of help. One of the things I did a while ago is I started outsourcing a lot of our backend stuff. So what I mean by that, which may not be the same as what you're talking about, I outsource our invoicing, our soup to nuts accounting, 
our, you know, social media posts that like, like kind of chunks of activity that take place in the organization, setting those things aside, what do you think is the biggest mistake? So, so I run a nonprofit, um, which is a form of a business. You deal with a lot of, I'm sure, business owners, business leaders. What is what do you think is one of the biggest mistakes that they make in establishing processes that prevent them from growth, essentially? Uh, they don't document them. <laughs> oh. uh, so a lot of business owners, especially solopreneurs that are starting out, they, they're they the only ones there. They don't have a team. They can't afford a team, whatever that looks like. Um, so they just know how to do everything and they just do it. Uh, but when you get to the point that you need to start scaling and outsourcing things and giving someone else your social media to do or giving someone else your bookkeeping, you have to have processes in place for that and they can't live in your head. So documenting your processes is probably the biggest mistake. Is that something you can help people accomplish? Yeah, for sure. So I help document, but I also help streamline. So not just document a broken process. I also help them fix it. So, (laughs) but the first step to fixing a broken process is documenting and find out what is actually missing or what's not working. Okay. That makes sense. That's actually really helpful because I know, um, for myself and others that run, even if it's a small business, doesn't have to even be a small nonprofit. Um, but we all, in fact, I just met with another small nonprofit leader yesterday and, and there's just these shared issues that we, you're, you're not in the beginning stage, right? We're not a startup anymore, yeah. but we're also not this huge organization. We're really in that middle phase where we're trying to figure out how do we scale what we're doing? And a lot of the pain that people like me feel around that is around process because it's like, oh, well, if I have more business, then that means more of these tasks that I have to perform and I'm already feel like I'm stretched thin. And so I think that's a big, a big, big concern. Um, when you think about, um, you know, serving your clients and, and, I know you know this because we've talked before. Our audience knows this, that Relay, our platform is servant leadership. We think of servant leadership as this concept of like win-win, meaning how do we serve people in a way that is not in a detriment to ourself, that helps them, that focuses on their development, right? We want people to get better. That's how we serve them. It's not about doing things for them, but it's about really equipping them to do things for themselves. And so that's like one way of looking at it. So looking at how you work with your clients, okay, think about how, if, and how you take that approach and kind of break that down for us, how you, you know, it's not just about showing them how to do it, but how do we really get them doing it on their own so that this is an empowerment Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the way that I work with people is I actually have to do kind of a done with you type of thing Um, because systems and processes are so personal to that business. There's no way that I can just go in and do that. There's a lot of involvement with that business owner, their team, whoever that is. Um, So having that approach, I'm able to show them and teach them through doing it, um, which I think is really helpful. So at the beginning, when I work with people, I do like a really big assessment 
Um, and it's always super eye-opening for people. They're like, oh, I should probably use the same type of assessment in the rest of my business. Um, so just through doing that, I think they kind of see the process that I use to help them get processes, um, <laughs> which is super helpful for them. And I always use that for teaching moments throughout things too. Like we are doing this because, and this is how we set this up because this is gonna, what this is going to do for you later on kind of thing. Um, so I think just working with them and setting it up and implementing it with them, it allows them to kind of see how that works and, and to use that from that point forward. Is that the same assessment you have on your website? There's like a quiz or something you can take, isn't there? Um, actually I use a way more in-depth assessment, but okay. the quiz is kind of like the starter to okay. find out kind of where you're at on the scale of having systems and processes in place. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. just curious. All right. So thinking about, um, and now I don't expect you to go into some of the stories I've already heard you tell unless you really want to. Um, what's the hardest client? You don't have to name them, of course. Yeah. We want to protect the innocent because <laughs> they don't know how difficult they are, I For think. Sure. I, I give people the benefit of the doubt. But up until this point in your career, what is the hardest, we'll say, type of client you've worked with and why? And maybe it's not about them being difficult, but maybe the project was difficult. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, I had a client that I don't think had extreme clarity around their business model, yet they were still like full speed ahead doing the thing and creating the thing. Um, and with that comes challenges, right? Because then I was trying to create processes for things, but they didn't really know what <laughs> they were doing with it, uh, which made it very difficult. And um, I should have set like better communication boundaries and things like that at the beginning of the project. But there was a lot of miscommunication and, oh, well, I thought you were going to create a process for that where there was no like end results because they didn't kind of know what that business model looked like. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would just say around like making sure that those communication boundaries are really, really clear. That's super, super important because a lot of people think that um, you should be accessible, you know, like 24 um, seven. <laughs> but yeah, that, I think that was probably the hardest project I worked on because they didn't know what that end vision was, that it was really hard for me to come in and put processes in place for the thing that they didn't really have fully developed yet. So, gotcha. yeah. Well, and this is somewhat, it's related to your experience with your clients, but really let's broaden it to just your career up to this point. And that could include everything from the wedding planning to yeah. what have you. Um, I always like to ask people about failures because I love saying this. I actually heard it from someone else. So I'm not the author of this general statement, but you know, there, nobody would go to the movie or buy the book if it was, hey, we all got together, everything went perfectly, we all got along, and we all lived happily ever after, yeah. right? <laughs> You're not buying that book. You're not spending money for that movie ticket or seeing that play. Yeah. And so all of us that really put ourselves at, well, all of us in life as human beings, we experience failure, but specific to our careers, is there a failure or two that you could talk about and, and what you learned from that? as you're sitting here today. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, this one would probably even be before I started my business and kind of what was the catalyst for that. Um, I worked for a company doing event planning, catering and things. And, uh, I was there for about four years and gave them my life really. I mean, I worked crazy hours. I had twins at home. Um, and I was there a lot. Well, four years in, I actually ended up getting let go. There was some corporate restructuring and things. And, um, I felt awful 
because I had just worked so hard for them and I had still like I had failed. Um, But the lesson that I learned out of that, a couple of them, obviously, was that don't put all your eggs in one basket. That was one thing that I had found because I essentially went from having a really great income to nothing very quickly. Um, And that my future was in their hands, which was really difficult. So that leads me kind of into my second one that, um, I really wanted to create something for myself that I was in control of. And that's kind of why I had started my business. So, um, that's probably the biggest one, but it also resulted in like a really amazing thing. Um, but then in business, like, I'm pretty sure I fail like every day at something, (laughs) like something happens. (laughs) Um, but if you don't have those failures and if you don't have the mindset around failure, that it's a good thing, uh, it's just going to knock you down and you're not going to be able to keep moving forward. So, um, yeah, lots of failures, but that was probably the biggest. I'm a huge fan of, of reframing failures and to not thinking of them as the opposite of success, but rather one of the stepping stones, like failure is actually a total part of success. Like as soon as someone fails, it's like, great, you're one step closer to finding where you need to be or getting to the solution or what have you. Um, You said something that I want to kind of talk about for a second. You talked about this realization that you put your future in their hands, all your eggs in one basket. I'm always fascinated I've always felt that way too. Yeah. Kind of like the idea of, you know, here I am building someone else's dream, yep. right? I might be getting paid a decent salary, but here I am making someone else's vision come to light. Yeah. And then what, being enslaved to them yeah. for like the nine to five Monday yeah. through Friday, <laughs> living and, for the weekend. Oh my gosh. One of my top three values is autonomy. And I, I cannot, if Relay went belly up tomorrow, I would have to just start something else because yeah. I literally could not go back to like, you have to be there at eight o'clock and you know, absolutely. and, not. and it's not just the time because I work really hard every day. It's, it's about choice. Yep. For me. And I'm always curious, like, it's just your opinion. So I understand this is completely editorial. Why do you think some people are built this way and other people are fine? And by the way, I don't think it's right or wrong. Some people I think are, are built to maintain, like they, they don't mind doing what we've just described. In fact, they don't even view it that way. Um, what do you think is a differentiator there? Like what creates it? Is there some childhood wound that we haven't healed? (laughs) Like, cause being an entrepreneur is hard. (laughs) Like this is some days it's not fun, but, um, I still believe the payoff is outweighs the, you know, all the negative negative, but anyway, I'll shut up. What do you think is, what is it about us that makes us crazy like this to want to be on our own? Yeah. I mean, I think first I'll start off by saying like, I think that it's good that not everyone could be an entrepreneur, right? Because we still need those people that do the corporate nine to five thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know where that comes from, but I will say that I think it's the like long-term vision, if you don't have a long-term vision for something, like you can't be an entrepreneur, um, because you would quit. Like there were so many times where, oh my gosh, I can't even count the number of times that I almost quit in the first year, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I saw what that long-term goal and that long-term thing was, and that is what kept me moving forward. So I think so many people are in like the day to day and like, I want this to happen right now. And this needs to happen tomorrow. And I have an idea and I want this to be implemented right now. Um, I think that that's probably a big thing, the mindset behind it. Um, because if you don't have that long-term like growth mindset, there's no way that you can be an entrepreneur, no way at all. So I don't know if that's maybe like a, a thing that some people have and some people don't, I guess, but, um, yeah, there were probably like 
50 times in the first year that I was like, oh, I'm going to go get a real job now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time I've had that thought and trust me, it's been. Yeah. Often. And I don't think I could. I think I would probably fail at going back to corporate because I would now say. at this point, like I see, I see what can happen with being on your own and the the reward you can get from that. So I would be a really bad employee, I think. Um, but yeah, there were so many times I almost quit. For sure. Yeah. I think when back to what I said about values, once I realized that autonomy was one of my top three values, I realized why I was so discontent in my corporate job. The place I worked, good place to work. Yeah. I had friends there, loved my boss. Uh, I had a good job, great benefits, great pay, yeah. tons of vacation, <laughs> the things that employees look for. Yep. The problem is, and my mentor helped me see this. He said, Shannon, the problem is you don't think like an employee, you think like an owner Yep. and owners don't think about like, I can't remember the last time I thought about like my benefits suck <laughs> and, and I'm not blaming really for that. It's just, we're a small nonprofit. There's only so much we can afford. Yeah. Right. So I'm not in it for the benefits. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't give that a thought employees think about that yeah. and that's not a bad thing. Um, but when you think like an owner, you think so much differently. And I believe, I agree with you. I think it has to do with this future facing, um, or this future focused kind of perspective on life. Yeah. The other thing you mentioned that I think is important to point out is that, and I'm truncating what you said, but basically you went through bad things, but it was because of those bad things that you were able to actually give birth to the better thing. Yeah. And I've had those experiences too, where in the moment you're like, oh my gosh, this sucks. What are we going to do? But had that not happened, yeah. I wouldn't have created this ever, other thing over here, which then not only solved the original problem, but it created all this other opportunity. And I think that ambiguity and uncertainty is um, something that maybe folks who are not bent towards entrepreneurial lifestyle, that they probably can't tolerate that. Because really, to do what you do, you have to be willing to embrace the unknown all the time yeah. and not know where it's going to lead. Yep. And just have faith, I guess, in a way that it's going to go somewhere good. Yeah. And if it doesn't, you're going to be okay no matter what. So that's not the easiest thing to do. So congrats on that. Thank you. Um, what are, let's go on to the personal level a little bit more here. What are some of the personal doubts? Um, you know, we all doubt ourselves along the line as we're creating something new and really forging a new path. Um, and I'm sure like me, you know, a ton of people who said, oh, I'm going to go do this. And then next week they're doing something else and they're on to, <laughs> now they're selling Mary Kay and now nothing wrong with trying all those things out. Um, but you're finding success. You're, you're actually doing the thing. So what are some of the doubts you've had along the way? And, you know, how do you handle that kind of stuff? Yeah, for sure. Um, so many doubts. So when I had first started the business after I got let go from my job, it was actually the professional organizing piece of it. Um, and I knew I was really great at organizing, but I was like, no one's going to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would you pay? I mean, I had an issue at first because I didn't realize that so many people needed it. I just assumed since I was good at it, that other people, it should just be easy for other people, which is not the case. Um, actually was reading Mark Henson's book, ordinary superpower. When that came to me, where I essentially found out that like this thing that I think is just so easy, it does not come easy for other people. Um, so that was definitely one of the bigger doubts I had. Um, I actually have three DBAs under my LLC. So I rebranded and changed my name three times. Like I'm <laughs> on the third one right now. It's crazy. Um, and every time I shifted and rebranded and looked 
looked for a new clientele and like, oh yeah, they're not going to pay me for that. Like I'm not, I just started this again, which I didn't because I'd been doing it for a while, but um, I'm brand new. They're not going to pay me for that. There's no way. So a lot of money mindset issues that I had, um, which I think I still have to overcome like daily, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially as I'm up, up leveling my brand and I have new packages and things like that. Uh, the money mindset thing comes up a lot, which was, I know like a childhood thing. So, you know, <laughs> those always come back to haunt you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it was just the doubt that I was good enough to do the thing and that someone was going to pay me for the thing and that I could actually build a business from the thing. Um, so lots of doubts. And I think, again, it just goes back to that forward, like future thing. You got to just keep pushing through um, to make it work and you have to stay focused and like pick the one thing and do it for a extended period of time. And if it doesn't work, then you can switch, but you have to give things a chance and like push through. Okay. How, how much opportunity, not with clients, but do you find an opportunity to, um, to servant lead through like mentoring other people or helping them? And, and it may not even be through your core business model. Maybe it's through, um, kind of like what you've learned as an entrepreneur yeah. so far. Do you have opportunities to do that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually have like a pick my brain type of call and like coffee chats that I have with people. Oh, that's um, cool. A lot of mine are virtual because most of my people that are kind of in my network are all over the US, all over the world. Um, so we have like virtual coffee chats. But um, yeah, I definitely open my calendar sometimes to do those because um, I think it's just important to realize like, yes, you've made it to this point in your business, but you're many, 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 many steps ahead of some other people that are just getting started. And I think it's really important to help those people and to also talk to people who are ahead of you so that you can grow too. So, um, yeah, I definitely open up some coffee chat times so that I can help people because I think it's super important. Uh, if I can shorten their time frame that it take, took me to get my business to where it is for that person, like that would be amazing. Do you still find you're battling that doubt you talked about, which is what I have as a value to oh, people. Oh, for sure. All yeah. the time. Yeah. I mean, especially it comes up every time I'm bringing up a new offer or I found a new clientele or anything like that. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> it's nice to know that's a universal feeling. Anytime yeah. I do something new, anytime we offer a new uh, workshop or, you know, um, our, our newest thing is we're now certifying trainers in one of our products. Yeah. And I'm like, no one's going to want to do that. And the first time we did it, I had six people. That's awesome. That say, yeah, I want to be certified. Sure. I'm like, Oh, this is cool. <laughs> and then more people say, when are you going to do it again? Yeah. Well, and it's so hard too, because you put so much time and effort into yeah. those things and then you launch it into the world. And if it does fail, you're like, okay, I just wasted a whole lot of time on that thing. Um, and actually people stop at that point, right? Like they're like, Oh, it failed. Great. Cool. Let's move on to the next thing. Uh, and this is actually my course that I created. I did that exact same thing. I spent two months creating it. Uh, I created it, launched it into the world and no one bought it. I was like, and I'm going to go cry in the corner now. Um, so instead of just throwing in the towel and throwing it away, I took the exact same course rebranded and like kind of shift the content around. Um, actually created a marketing plan for it because I didn't do that the first time and relaunched it again when I rebranded and then I sold some and then I kind of shifted and did the same thing a third time and I sold more and it was just this idea of refining the same thing instead of creating new things constantly Um, but every time I do something like that and create a new thing I'm like oh please don't let it fail (laughs) yeah I'm trying to remind myself like this is real time for me right now that that this thing, whatever I'm launching, 
it's going to take longer than I think. Absolutely. Everything takes longer than you think. I want it to be tomorrow and I want you to sign up for this tomorrow. And then if you don't, I'm a failure, right? Yep. But getting a little bit more patient with, okay, even if this totally flops the first time around, what can I learn from it? And I know this sounds almost trite and like, well, everybody knows this, (laughs) but the problem is in the moment, in the emotion of it, you don't, you have to force yourself to think like this because otherwise you're just like, you know, you just Charlie Brown it. That's what I always say I do. I Charlie Brown it like, woe is me. Nobody likes me. Um, And take what I can learn and then iterate, learn iterate, learn, iterate. And that's to me, the painful part of, of entrepreneurship, because what we see when someone launches something and it goes bananas on social media, we didn't see the 15 other ones that flopped. Absolutely. And I think (laughs) that, I think that's starting to shift on social media a little bit. I think people are trying to be more transparent about that, but that was a huge issue for me when I first started. I'm like, but she has the same type of thing and she's selling millions. Why can't (laughs) I do that? Um, but again, you don't see the whole behind the scenes and the 20 different times they tried it before that it didn't work. So, um, definitely don't like focus all of your energy on that. What I'd like to talk to you about now is give us a little bit without, you know, we want people to sign up for your stuff. So we don't want to give it all away, but take me through that initial consultation. You're sitting with a new client. You're sitting down with relay. Okay. Cause we are going to work together. So you're sitting down with relay. Where do you start in uncovering all of their bad habits and organization, you know, um, what processes they're, they're doing. Um, you know, how do you take them through that initial phase of discovery? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I actually have a method, it's called the road to scalability. So the R is recognize the O is optimize the A is automate and the D is document. I love acronyms. I love I try to make like all the things I do acronyms, but, um, so that initial R for the recognition phase and what's really kind of working and what's not working. I really go through their mission, their vision and their goals in the business first, because for me, I don't want to go in and put systems in place that are a bandaid for them. Um, and that are fixing things like in the moment, I want to put things in place for their long term vision that keeps coming up. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to put them in place for their longer term, big picture goals and make sure that I'm really supporting that. So we really go through goals and vision and mission and really figure out what their business is doing, where it's going. Um, the next step we go through is I dive into every piece of software tool app, um, digital thing that they are using and figure out why they're using it. If they like it, if they don't like it, if it's working, if it's not working, um, I assess how much they're spending monthly in their softwares and see if there's anywhere we can cut cost as far as, um, condensing softwares. Cause I like things to be all in one or as all in one as possible. So we go through all their different systems and then we kind of dive into their different services and processes. Um, so I, I don't think a lot of people realize how each of their different packages and services all have different workflows. They kind of try to fit them all into one. So we actually break down all the different packages that they offer and create workflows for each of those. So um, we don't even start getting into actual tools and things until like five sessions in. So we really have to do that foundation work to make sure we're putting the right things in place and that we have the right processes to support the actual tools they're using. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. We we definitely need to get together because we need that. <laughs> I, I feel like we have a lot of things in place and some of them are not as movable as others because of our third party folks that are yeah. helping those stuff. But the stuff that I do, um, and, and I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this for a second because um, it's a tool that I use. I know it's a tool that you absolutely love. Yeah. And that tool is called Trello. It is. <laughs> and um, Trello is... I'm, I, I know this is outdated, but it's the bomb.com <laughs> and I don't care that it's outdated. Quit shaking your head at me, millennial Jonathan. Um, but, um, tell everyone that doesn't know what Trello is and briefly like the power of how it can be used. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Trello is actually a free or fairly inexpensive, just depending on the plan, uh, project and task management tool that you can use. Uh, it also it works really well to collaborate with teams and um, different people that you're working with, your clients, those sorts of things. And it's a really great place to house everything all in one space. So um, I actually have a course that's called Talk Trello to Me. And I use, uh, I basically show people how to use Trello and I give them my entire system, but, um, essentially it's like the command center for your business. So it houses all of your business information at a glance so that you can hand that off to people. Um, it gives your team members the different tasks that they're needing to work on. Same thing for you. Like I keep my personal stuff in there, my business stuff. Um, and it gets it out of my head cause there's just no way I can keep track of all of that. So, um, it's just a really powerful tool even at its base. And then you can also add some automation stuff to it too, which is really cool. That's the part that I want to learn. Yeah. And you know, for me, um, here's how I used to stay organized with my tasks. I had a notebook and <laughs> I wrote everything down. Yep. And then as I got things and I tried to write them in order of importance, yep. which is generally like, when does it need to be done? Right. And then the next day I would copy over <laughs> everything I didn't get done from the day before and reprioritize. And so I spent I don't know, the first half hour of every day, rewriting my list every single day. Now, here's what that did. Number one, that was highly in, in, inefficient. I understand yeah. that. But here's the other thing that it did. It increased my stress because I saw this growing list of to-dos every single day, even if there were things on there that I just didn't want to forget, but I really didn't need to actually do for three months because yep. <laughs> I was so afraid I'd forget about it because it's not due for a long time. And so what happened was is the whole of my strategic goals, if you will, were on my mind every single day and it weighed very heavy on me. Yeah. It was actually my husband that said, oh, I found this cool thing called Trello and we started using it for, um, we were doing a couple rehab projects on, um, on his dad's house. Yeah. And, and so when we were working on that, we were like, let's get everything organized in Trello. But then I was like, man, I should start using this for work. Yeah. And I finally... I don't use paper for to-dos at all unless I'm actually sitting in a meeting with someone and I just want to quickly jot down an action item. And then what do I do when the meeting's over? I put it in Trello yep. <laughs> <laughs> of when I promise to get to get the thing to them. What I don't have is like automations and things like that. Now I have started using, there's now in the new Outlook, a Trello plugin that you yep. can move an email to Trello, which yep. is, I've done that, which is when they pop up in my reminders in Trello, I'm like, oh yeah, I did that. That's really cool. <laughs> so proud of myself. Um, so um, so you do a lot of work with Trello with your clients. Do, yeah. And does that become sort of like the hub of a lot of the automation that you implement? Am I understanding yeah, that? Yeah, so there's a lot of automation inside of it. There's 
there's a tool and a power up inside of there called Butler that can move cards around based on specific rules inside of Trello for you. Um, I also use an outside automation app to send things to Trello. So when people schedule appointments with me, um, when they schedule schedule consulta- consultations, um, it basically zaps them in to Trello so that I can manage that. Uh, all of my team member tasks are in there and I get reminders for everything. So um, yeah, it's just a really powerful tool. And just think about it. It's, it's very visual. So it's almost like digital sticky notes that you can just move. So like you were saying, you copied over your list every day. Instead of doing that, you could just move the tasks to wherever they needed to be moved to. Um, and you can also future date things, which gets it out of your head and also keeps it in somewhere that's organized. Um, so yeah, it's just super, super powerful, but it can also be super simple if you just want it for a to-do list. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I use it so far. But I really think one of the things I'm interested in is automating appointment setting. Yeah. Um, both from some kind of appointment app all the way into Trello and if I can into my Outlook calendar because I spend more time back and forth sending people availability. Yes. Uh, it's so, I hate it. It's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those details that drives me crazy. Yep. So the fix for that, get Acuity and then zap your Acuity appointments into Trello and it'll auto connect to your Outlook calendar and you'll just send people a link and they schedule and it's done. Yeah. I don't it's know amazing. anything what you just said. So <laughs> I'm going to have you come do that for me. Yes. Um, can make that happen. Now, again, we're kind of looking back what is the best advice you've been given? And this could be personal, professional. It could be both. It could be both. What's the best thing you've ever been advised to do? Yeah. So I really think that just providing value for people and it will come back to you. I think so many times business owners are focused on like, oh my gosh, I have to make money. I have to do this. I have to pay the bills. I have to pay my team, like all these different things. And that added stress, like puts this friction and this mindset, these mindset issues and all of this stuff on you. And it really just doesn't allow you to go out and help people and do what you're doing. Um, so just adding value, I, I have so much free content that I just put out constantly, uh, because it's going to help someone and they may eventually come to me and I can help them even more, but, uh, putting out free content and doing value ads and just helping in any way that I can, because if you're helping someone and they're giving you money in return, like you're helping each other, right? So you're growing your business, but you're also helping them. Um, And I think just adding value. And that's, I mean, I would say personal life and professional life. Like that's just the biggest thing that's kind of pushed me through to kind of be a leader in business instead of just like doing it for the money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's servant leadership too. Always thinking about what... Not do I want, what do I want from people, but what do I want for them? Yeah. And um, adding value is so crucial. Um, I feel like patting myself on the back lately. I've been, this is a really old idea. And so I actually am ashamed we haven't done it sooner, but <laughs> we sent out a weekly newsletter and it hit me. I'm like, every newsletter is like, Hey, here's our upcoming trainings. And this is an event that we've got going on. And I was like, you know what? Each week we need to give them a free resource, yeah. whether it's a white paper um, an article and we have so much content yeah. <laughs> that, that we've collectively either myself or people that work with us have created. And I'm like, why are we not distributing this and giving to these people and giving them, you know, a reason to open our email, yeah. um, rather than just inviting them to things. So, and some of the invites to things are free. It's not yeah, like we're always sure. asking them to spend sure. money, but, but that's something we've been, we just started a few weeks ago. So, um, I actually got a few responses were like, they called it, um, a free lay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Anyway. Um, Anything else you want us to know about you, about your company that you haven't shared already? 
Um, I mean, I think to sum things up, I would just say that I really just want to help people with the operational problems in their business so that they can go out and solve the problems of the world. I don't know if that's like a way too big thing to be, but um, I the think bigger, the better, <laughs> in my opinion. The yeah. Bigger, the better. And I yeah. think the, the one thing that actually kind of helped me because I'm not like a I don't want to be on stage and be that like person. Um, and I think that at first I thought to be successful, you had to be that until I was talking with somebody at a retreat and they're like, you don't have to be Tony Robbins. You can totally be the person you don't, you don't have to be Tony Robbins to make an impact. You can totally be his behind the scenes person because without those people, he couldn't be doing what he was doing. So, um, that was really big for me. So I think just really thinking about that and, uh, um, how I can help with the businesses so that they can go do their thing and impact the world. I love that perspective. Thank you. So tell us real quick, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah. So, uh, my website is brittanyandco-consulting.com. Uh, I also have another website for the Trello stuff. It's actually talktrello2me.com. So if they want to see all of my, I have a free Trello resource and then I have a course, they can check those out. Um, and then I'm on Facebook and Instagram mostly. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'm so appreciative once again for you being with us today. For sure. And, thanks so much for having um, me. Yeah. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll talk to you again soon.